everyone. Welcome to my show, Curry Up Startup Podcast, a podcast to spotlight Asian leaders and interesting allies that I meet in my life. Today, I have with me a very special friend. My guest for today is Melanie Spring, who's joining us from Maine. Hey, Melanie. Hey, thanks for having me. Absolutely. It's such a pleasure. Melanie is all over the place. She loves to travel. But today, I made sure I get a chance to talk with her now that she's in Maine. Let me give you a quick introduction about who Melanie is. I look at her as the approachable badass, and she's <laughs> rightly the one. She's an international keynote speaker, a dynamic MC, a corporate t- trainer. She and her crew at Melanie Spring Productions travel the world, creating branded experiences for humans like you to find your stories, to build your confidence, and to amplify your voices. Melanie, it's such a pleasure and honor to have you on our show. I'm excited to be an ally that you speak of, to be able to be on your podcast. Thank you for allowing me to be. Thank you, Melanie. I've known Melanie for a few years and she's helped me transform my personal brand at a time when I wasn't quite sure what personal branding actually meant. So thank you for that wonderful mentorship over the years. And today I thought, hey, the Asian community needs people like Melanie who can help us support and amplify who we are and what we do and put us on the right track towards success. So Melanie, thank you again for spending your valuable time amidst all the busy things that you do to be part of the show. Well, and I love that I now get to catch up with you and see how much our lives have changed just being able to take you from that moment of being able to figure out your brand and understand who you are to now being both of us married and one of us with a baby and all of that. So that's amazing to be able to catch up with you now. Thank you, Melanie. So Melanie, I see you as someone who can walk into a room and just light up the space. How do you exude that charisma? Uh, Most of that has to do with training from my mother. (laughs) So when I was a kid, I was an introvert who I didn't want to talk to anyone. I really wanted to stay in my room. I didn't care if I had friends. I was very happy by myself. And my mother is a retail store owner. And she was like, no, you have to work behind the counter. You have to talk to people. You have to say hello when they walk in the door. You have to. So I've just become who I am. A lot of that training was really young. But as I got older, I realized that I have a certain charisma that is part of just innately who I am. And I also had to develop a lot of it because it wasn't just something that showed up and it had to be created and developed to make sure that I could connect with people in a way that allows me to be me at the one point, but also to make sure that I'm staying connected as well. That's amazing. And I'm so glad your mom has been a great influence towards your path uh, for success. Now tell us a little bit more about your childhood. Where did you grow up? I grew up in a very rural community in Western New York. I grew up in farmland. It's mostly cows, not a lot of people. And I even graduated high school with 33 people in my graduating class. So it was a really rural part of the country, which is, it's kind of amazing thinking about like other rural parts. I've been all over the States. I've lived in lots of places, but when I go back home, which is where I actually live at the moment, I'm temporarily living in Western New York now, I think about how I grew up in a very green community and not just green as in like every, all the trees are green, but also the fact that I grew up with parents who we recycled everything. We separated everything. We grew our own garden. We didn't eat anything from the store that wasn't grown by us. It was something that was created in our own yard at the same time. So I didn't know that I was growing up green until I moved to California and was like, oh, you guys have a thing it's called being green really that's just how you're supposed to live is like taking care of the world as you do it so 
I had a lot of blind spots growing up thinking about being the oldest of four kids as an introvert, six people in our tiny house. We're all like six foot and over. So we're really tall humans in a tiny house. But also learning that I had to just kind of stake my own claim and be my own person in all of that because I was not somebody who wanted to fit in. I didn't want to be a part of anything. I had to like really break out and become who I wanted to be. So I was definitely a city girl living in the country, trying to grow up with people who I just didn't really want to be around. And now I've reconnected with all of that again. And it's kind of cool to see the difference between who I was, where I've been and coming back to it a different person. So your love for people seems to have been ingrained in you since your childhood. Is that how, I, how you see yourself? <laughs> yeah, it is. And I think a lot of that has to do with growing up with two parents who just wanted to talk to everybody and I didn't want to talk to anyone. <laughs> so having both my parents be in really big communities of people who they were really social and really able to bring people into our homes. I mean, a lot of people I didn't find out until I was much older that a lot of people only had like Thanksgiving and Christmas and Easter and all those regular U.S. holidays with just their families. And we always had random people who were like, oh, you don't have anyone? Come to our house. Like it was always someone different at the table. So it was, I think I was, I was created to be a people person just by how I grew up, the nurturing of it, not naturally. <laughs> That's fascinating. So did you always dream to be who you are today since your childhood? Oh, no. <laughs> so, so I wanted to be an English professor so badly. <laughs> And I can't see myself now. I look back and I'm like, I would be a horrible English professor. Wow. I had two and a half years of college to become an English professor and then met my English professors. and was like, no, I don't want to be this. So I started doing communications and got into more of, more of the, like, how do things work and how do people connect and why do people connect? And not sales necessarily did a lot of that, but like the marketing side of things. And when I started realizing that like the connection for me was so important, I was like, well, this is who I want to be. So no, when I was a kid, I wanted to be a music teacher and then an English teacher forever. I wanted to be a teacher. So now I get to teach in a different way from stages, which is kind of fun. So <laughs> that's how I, I see your life experiences. You wanted to be a teacher, but you're teaching people, you know, helping them be storytellers, helping them create their personal brand. And most important of all, Melanie, is helping them achieve their dreams. I think that's mm -hmm. something that's, uh, that people feel very grateful about, to have folks like you. Yeah, it's, it's also interesting, though, with um, everything that's happening in 2020, just because 2020 is the year of everything breaking and going a different direction, I guess. Um, I think a lot of what I've been thinking about is because everything, I, I'm a full-time public speaker, if you don't know this, like, not you, you know this, but like, whoever's listening, I'm a full-time keynote, international keynote speaker. Like that's my whole job. And then everything kind of crashed when I can't go speak anymore. I can, I can do this kind of stuff, but I can't go on stage and speak, which is my whole life. And when I had that taken away, I was like, okay, what do I do instead? And my job is to inspire people to be themselves and amplify their voices. So as we were kind of thinking about where we were going and what we were doing, I had to start thinking about how can I help people really truly do that? And then even the Black Lives Matter piece came into the picture and all of the, just like the camaraderie started happening and people started banding together to do really good things in the world. And since my job is to amplify voices, I'm like, what a perfect time for me to do this. When I can't amplify my own voice from a stage, I can amplify so many more. And it's amazing to see what happens when 
you can't do the thing you think you need to do. You have to do something different. And yeah, it's definitely something that I know I'm really good at doing, but it took me a while to go, oh, can I do this now? <laughs> so, yeah. Thanks for being very candid, Melanie, on sharing some of the vulnerabilities that you're facing yourself as an entrepreneur. What do you say to yourself every day? Because a lot of entrepreneurs have been affected because of the COVID pandemic. Uh, the businesses aren't really uh, working the way they used to be. But what drives you every day to wake up and do your best? Lately, it's the word grace. <laughs> I've been writing about it. I've been blogging about it. I've been talking about it. And it's come up. I do a thing called the Speak With Confidence 90 Day Challenge. And one of our rock star calls, which I call them rock stars, our community calls, everyone was like, oh, I'm not where I'm supposed to be. And I just can't catch up. And what if I'm not in the right place? Or I don't have enough of this. And I just kept hearing all these words that were like, I'm not enough, or I don't have enough. And I started thinking about the word grace and how much grace we need to be giving ourselves. And I think a lot of times we talk about the things we need to hear the most. And I'm talking about grace because it's the thing I need to hear the most. I mean, I have a tattoo on the outside of my arm that says live grace specifically to remind myself to do that. And then I still have to go back to it. It's the reason I tattooed it so that I would never rub it off and forget that I needed to do that. So grace every day, waking up going, oh, how am I going to be able to make it through this next day? How am I going to be able to pay payroll? And how am I going to be able to, you know, take care of the people I need to take care of? And then I get little notes from people saying, you have no idea how much you've changed my life. And I'm like, okay, I can keep going. Grace, just so much grace. So that's what I say to myself every day, especially lately. You've embraced grace really well by really inking it in your body as well, right? <laughs> so uh, that's yeah. a good way to look at it, uh, Melanie. And if you're not following Melanie on uh, you know, Facebook, she has these wonderful posts where she talks about grace, vulnerability, and you know, spreading a lot of sunshine, not just to herself, but to people around her. So I really enjoy getting to see all your inspiring posts. Keep oh, it up. Thank, thank you. you. So Melanie, talk to us about your 90-day Speak With Confidence Challenge. How did that idea start and how do you feel about the experience? Well, Speak With Confidence has been around for the last three and a half years. And when we started it, it was an in-person thing. And then we did it, took it to an online course and I created a workbook. There's a huge 150-page workbook that goes with it. And as I was building it, I was building it for myself because I was like, how, what is the methodology for how I get my talks out of myself? And then as I started putting it together and giving it to other people, they were like, can I have, I want this. Can I use this to do what I'm doing? And as the pandemic hit, my husband and I were sitting on the porch on a Saturday morning, like we do, because we're both entrepreneurs. And he looked at me and he goes, I think I'm going to do a 90 day challenge. And I was like, stop it. What's that? What do you mean a 90 day challenge? And I literally took his idea <laughs> and like stole the idea and put it into my own thing and was like, I'm launching a 90 day challenge. That's, that's what a great idea. It usually takes six weeks for people to do this, but if it was over 13 weeks, they could take less time and go through it slowly and really take the time to be a community together to do it. So when we started doing it, we put together a 90 day plan for people to create two week steps along the way to help them design and create and build their talk and then also deliver it, like to practice it, memorize it, market it, be able to make sure they can move on a stage. So we're all doing it on Zoom now, which is crazy because normally we also have a retreat that we come in person and that's the only thing we've really done with it. And now we have 125 people in our first cohort, which is amazing. We're going to be launching it monthly starting soon and being able to just 
allow people to take their talks that they've been writing or have written or really want to write. Like, you know, you mentioned doing a TED talk at some point, being able to kind of take your ideas and distill them. And I have a really great process for doing that to be able to help you kind of get out of your own way. Because a lot of times it's like, oh, what would I even talk about? <laughs> then you can start thinking about the threads between things. So that's how it came about. I already had it. We just put a 90 day challenge around it and people are writing their talks so fast and so beautifully. So I'm excited to be able to be the leader of that. That's pretty cool. And Esther talks about, you know, spreading ideas that are worth um, and are inspiring. I'm so glad you're helping bring a lot of hidden stories within us uh, to the limelight. So thank you for that. Yeah. How do you feel about the experience of helping people when you hear these success stories or these inspiring notes that you get from them? How does that make you feel? Uh, well, words of affirmation is my love language. <laughs> so when someone tells me that I, like, even if they say your hair is beautiful, I'm like, oh, you're so sweet. And I love you to pieces. Can I just hug you now? Which I can't do because of COVID. But Anytime someone says something, like even if I'm just having one of those bad days, I think the universe reminds that person, hey, I need you to send Melanie a note. She needs it today. And it's just like those things just fill me up and make me go, I can keep going today. And usually it's a minute by minute, I can keep going today kind of thing. But getting those little notes from people or even big notes, I get huge notes from people sometimes. They just remind me that I'm, I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing. And it, it fills me up to keep my cup full enough to keep overflowing it. And I forget to kill, like, fill my own cup up sometimes and remind myself that I'm amazing and that I can do this thing. And having someone else be able to reach out through the internet and just go, just so you know, it makes you just, oh, I love it. <laughs> That's why I put at the end of my speeches, send me love notes. <laughs> And to our listeners out there, Melanie is one of the most optimistic and enthusiastic persons that I've met in my life. Uh, she's always mm -hmm. brimming with energy. And, uh, you know, I, she inspires people in ways that she doesn't even know that she's doing. So there you Thank go. Thank you. <laughs> so tell us about, uh, you know, the big brands and uh, that you work with as an entrepreneur for the last 18 years uh, must have been a fabulous experience. And you notice that every human has a personal story to tell along with your brand story. Can you share some of your experiences working with big brands? Sure. I, I was a brand strategist for the first 18 years of my career. So like I, I was, I built websites. I mean, I started my first business in 2000 when I was still in college doing websites and I started helping people just kind of figure out who they were and how they showed up as a business and did that with Five Guys and the National Apartment Association and Mathematical Association of America. I lived in DC for a long time, which is how Priyanka and I met. And I realized that like, I loved helping companies understand how this works. But at the same time, I really, I really wanted to make sure that I could fully accept them, the humans inside the company, as who they were. And started putting all the pieces together, realizing that the humans make up the company. And the company has to be in front of the clients who are humans. And a lot of people talk building to building and business to business instead of people to people, humans to humans. So it's really hard to make sure that they can speak like a human. And then once I translated that into public speaking, I was like, oh, well, these are actually humans fully speaking as humans for big companies a lot of times, doing sponsor talks and being able to get up and do keynotes and selling their products. So being able to take that brand essence and put that into your personal brand and into your talks has been really amazing, the amazing switch between the two of them. 
That's pretty awesome. Do you miss working with brands now that you work directly with people? Uh, well, when COVID hit, I started doing a bunch of branding work again and realized why I quit. <laughs> so being able to help people really understand who they are. I love the, I love the concepting of it. I don't, I don't love the implementation of it. Like I love being able to hand it to someone and be like, okay, now go and like grow up with it. <laughs> but being able to help someone understand that they have a soul, even as a business, their business has a soul that, that is in all the humans and how those humans can just be happy in their jobs every day. Cause so many people aren't happy and that's, that's top down leadership. Like that's a problem because it should be bottom up leadership and being able to kind of think about how that can work. I now get to work with personal brands. So that's really great. And I didn't think that I'd be able to, I thought like, okay, when I leave branding, I'm leaving branding, but it's following with me forever. I think so being able to own my own brand so I can help other people do that has been has been really neat. I'm glad that I'm doing this now. That's fabulous, uh, Melanie. Now, you work with people, and one of the skills that I've realized that a lot of us need to know is, how do you read people? Because you push people out of the box and help them understand that you can't limit yourself and create a barrier for yourself as you're acing towards success. So yeah. how do you read people? Well, it's, I think it's the approachable badass part of it. Most of it has to do with the fact that I think a lot of people think that I'm someone they can share with. And I love that. I want that to be the case. I want to be vulnerable enough for myself to be able to give them a space to be vulnerable. And so I try not to be perfect with things. Like I try to make sure that people know that, no, I don't have everything together and it's okay to not have everything together. And yes, it looks like I've had a really amazing life. And if you just asked me a little, like that question before about like, tell me about your childhood. I'm not going to tell you about how I ran away from home when I was 17 and lived with a whole bunch of other people from the time I was 13 until I was 17 when I ran away from home and that I had to figure out who I was and how I showed up. And then I got married after, after college to a guy in Santa Cruz who was not who I was. I cried the whole way down the aisle. And then I lost a house when the market downturned after getting divorced. And like all of those little things that you're just like, tell me about your life. And you're like, it's been amazing. I'm kind of amazing. And then you start sharing the real stuff about like, no, I've been through all of it. Like I've been through some horrific things, but also like, it depends on who I'm talking to. Like, can I share? Can I not share? And once I start sharing a little bit of me, which I don't, like it, being honest, something like this, I'm like, usually I'm asking all the questions. So I'm not used to having to share all of my stuff, but being able to share that with people, they're like, oh, I have some stories too. And they'll go deeper and they'll get more vulnerable and they'll let themselves go a little bit to not think, especially working with people writing their talks. Like I hear some deep, dark secrets that I'm like, so you're not going to say that on stage, right? <laughs> That's a lot to put on other people. But at the same time, I think it's a lot of those, how can we help people show up, we have to show up for them so that they can show up for themselves. So I think that's why people really, truly show up for me. So I, I think that's anyway, we'll see how that works. <laughs> Someone wants to tell you about it. Well, definitely that's sharing vulnerability with Grace. Thank you for being very, uh, you know, open about, you know, some of the low moments you've had in your life, but how you have successfully aced all of them. What do you say to yourself, Melanie, when you're going through a situation which is outside of your comfort zone and you really feel you're not control of the situation. Oh man, I'm one of the first people to admit that I'm afraid of most things, especially if it's new. So anytime I have to deal with something like I learned how to paddleboard a couple of years ago after learning how to surf, 
which I'm terrified of the, the ocean. The ocean is like so terrifying to me. I love sitting next to it and watching it. That's my favorite part about the ocean. I don't want to be on it. I don't want to be in it. I'm scared to death of everything that's in it. Like even the lake near my house, I'm like, the green monster in the bottom of the lake is going to eat me at some point. So I don't want to die. And so I've had to get over a lot of fears like that, like being able to go, you know what, I'm just going to dive in and see what I can do about this and get tons of salt water up my nose and hope that I come out alive. But facing it and, and being really real about it and being like, I, yes, I'm scared of this and I can still do it and I can try and I'm not going to say no to things just because I'm scared of it. So that happens a lot to me. If I have to do something new, I'm just like crying in the bathroom <laughs> before I have to do it. But then I tend to do it and then it works out great. And I'm like, oh, let's do that again, which I'm doing with my book right now because I've never written a book. And I'm like, four years later, I'm working on a book. I don't want to do this. But I know that if I write one, the second one's going to be like, oh, here's the second one. Oh, here's another if you'd like another. So I think just facing it and being real with people about it. So give us a sneak peek about the book that you're writing. What is it about? And when are we expecting it? <laughs> So you can hold me to it. <laughs> That's what friends are for, right? Exactly. Well, the first book I was writing this summer, which the reason we moved to the lake house, this little lake house on a tiny, tiny little lake in Western New York is because I wanted to have a sun porch I could sit on and just like be creative, just be like have a space to be really creative. And we were only going to be there part of the year. And now we're going to be there a lot of the year, not the winter because nobody wants that. But being able to kind of get into that space of creativity, I started taking the time and creating. And I realized that I was writing the second book first on accident. And so I started writing this book that it's about rocking your life, the original one, and figuring out how to help people step into who they are and who they are meant to be. And it was so heavy for me to start writing. I started writing the stories of my life, not a memoir by any stretch, but the stories of other people. And it was just such a heavy book to start with. And I realized the other day, I'm like, I'm purely teaching people how to speak right now. I'm not even getting on stages anymore. So why don't I write that book so I can send that book with the workbook. So I'm actually writing a book about public speaking that is from a very branded perspective, from a very don't be a public speaker kind of perspective, like speak like you. So that's what I'm going to be writing about. And hopefully it'll come out a lot easier because I feel a lot more excited about that one right now. Is that going to come out this year? Uh, it won't come out next, this year, no. It usually takes like, I think by the time you start the proposal process, it takes two years to come out. So it's going to be a little while, but I'm hoping that we'll be able to get it out sooner than that. We'll see. Everything seems to be working faster. Like the movies are coming out faster and like stuff is happening faster now. So we'll see. <laughs> With Melanie at the helm, you never know how things could go super fast. <laughs> That's what we think about you. Now tell us about the term approachable badass. How did you come up with that name? And is there an interesting story behind it? Yeah, I actually was rebranding my chief inspiration officer for my original branding agency to figure out who I am now. And I mean, I started that agency with hair halfway down my back and flared jeans and like t-shirts and like just, you know, be, being who I thought I was. And then I realized I was a lot more badass than I really was looking like. And I definitely didn't have it on the outside. I felt it inside, but I couldn't match the outside with the inside. And as I, I surveyed, um, I sent a survey out to like 500 people and 300 people responded to the survey answering like, what would I do? Like, and this was five years ago or so. And so I, ha I found that the other day when I was going through all my notes to figure out the book that I'm working on. And um, 
I got all these responses back and I took all the words that they said about me. Like, what did you, what words do you use when you think of Melanie? And I ask people all the time. I'm like, I want you to do this for your business, for yourself. I want you to ask your clients and coworkers. And I also want you to ask your family and friends. And so you can get a kind of 360 picture of who you are and really see who you are. So I asked tons of different people in different parts of my life. And the words approachable and badass came up so much, but also other words that are similar to both of those words. And when I looked them up in the dictionary, they were complete opposite words. Like approachable is not badass and badass is not approachable. So when I put them together, I was like, yes, these are two different sides of me that really go together. So I'm the approachable person you want to be like, give all of your vulnerability to, but then also I'm the badass who's going to be like, so now what are you going to do with it? And make sure that you want to go somewhere with it, not just sit in it and go, well, I'm just going to, you know, sit in this and not do anything. I'm going to make sure you do something. with it. Yeah. It's pretty contrasting, but I'm so glad you've coined it in such a way that, uh, you know, it's something that we can relate to and there's nothing wrong, you know, coining yourself in that way. And I feel very proud that uh, you do your best uh, in a very optimistic way. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it also catches people off guard a little bit. So I'm the, I'm also the leader of the kick-ass humans club. And I have people, I tell people, I'm like, I only work with kick-ass humans. And if someone's like, that's kind of offensive. I'm like, oh, you're not going to want to work with me then. <laughs> well, that's a nice segue to our kick-ass humans club. Tell us a little bit more about the experience that people have in that, uh, in that endeavor and, uh, you know, how that came about as well. Yeah. Well, I decided that I only wanted to, when I was doing branding, I only wanted to work with kick-ass humans. We designed who our perfect client was and we like middle of the target, like who's the person who's going to talk to us about everything and who's going to talk to everyone else about us. And so when we designed that person, we named them a kick-ass human. And I, not too long after that started a Facebook group called the kick-ass humans club, which is just kickasshumansclub.com. But it, on Facebook, I tend to ask prompting questions like, what's your favorite picture lately? Or what did you love when you were five? Or just little things that get you kind of thinking a little differently than you normally would be thinking. Plus it's a really safe space. So if anyone's posting anything political, we're like, nope, you're not allowed to do that. Or if anyone's trying to get into anything that would be controversial or like spark people or really like stir people up, I'm like, no thanks, do that on your Facebook page. Don't do that in here. Let's have this be a safe community for people to be kick-ass, to share what they're up to, to share who they are and how they show up and make sure that they're doing that in a very kick-ass way. So being able to create that community helps me be able to want to look at Facebook and not, <laughs> not hide from it all day. Well, I like your branding, the way you, uh, you know, coin these terms, which is very inspiring and enlightening and makes us feel that there's nothing that could stop us from being who we are. Mm -hmm. That's, that's the whole point. <laughs> so I know you had the 7,000 mile trip um, a few years ago where you were collecting stories on, you know, how companies live their brand. And it was published in the Entrepreneur Magazine. So that must have been a fabulous experience for you. And for our listeners, um, Melanie is a veteran brand strategist. That's how I see herself and the work that she does. How was that experience and how has that shaped you into being who you are today? Yeah, that happened about seven or eight years ago in 2013. And I basically didn't want to keep working in my branding agency. I was five years into it, which I did it for eight years total. And um, five years into it, I was like, I just don't want to be here anymore. So I wanted to go talk to people. I wanted to go see my friends across the country. I was, I mean, as entrepreneurs, we're like so tied to our desks and like as, everyone's just like, oh, you just have so much freedom. I'm like, are you kidding me? I'd rather have a nine to five job that I could have weekends off and evenings off and not have to work so much. 
And at that point I was working, I mean, goodness, 70 hours a week easily and just cranking through. And I was like, I need a break. So I took a three week road trip from DC all the way across the States. I went a really long way and went all the way to California and back kind of did like a big loop around the U S and I interviewed 18 companies about how they live their brand, mostly just to like, for fun. Like I didn't do it for a reason, but entrepreneur magazine ended up picking up all the stories in it and published them and told everyone I was a veteran brand strategist. It felt like I was going through the war or something like that. But being able to learn what the thread was between all those companies, it was always the humans and the humans inside the companies were what made the company brand what it was. So it was really challenging to do that. I mean, 7,000 miles in three weeks is no, no joke, but being able to really step into who I was, because I did a very personal journey along the way too. It wasn't just about the businesses. I was thinking about who do I want to be when I grow up and where do I want to go? And it took me three more years to figure that out. So I ended up being homeless for a year and a half right after that. And purposely, I lived in my office with no, there was only a bathroom, like with a sink and a toilet kind of thing. And I, I showered at the gym three blocks away every day and lived with my two dogs in a like, closet in my office. And it was amazing to do that in a way that like really helped me shape who I wanted to be without constraints. Because a lot of us are like, oh, we have to go to this school. We have to marry this guy. We have to be a part of this. We have to be in this association or get this job or whatever those things are. There's things we have to do. And when you take all those constraints off everything and go, but what do I really want to do? How can I do this if I just got to choose all of it? And that's why I am the way that I am today, because I was able to take that off and give myself the space to learn. Even if it was so hard, it was the hardest year and a half ever, but it was a really, really interesting experience to shape who I am. That's amazing to hear. So was there ever a fear of solitude as you were going through this experience? Uh, yeah. I mean, God had a lot of conversations with me on that trip. <laughs> so <laughs> the three, the three weeks on the road, I had my team in my office. So like every day I would have my team show up at the office. So that was a, totally fine. But for the three weeks, just me in the car on the road for 7,000 miles, I had a lot of time to just sit and think and just kind of be. And there wasn't, I mean, I think at the time Instagram was still really new and there wasn't a lot of, as much social media as there is now. And I think there was a lot of time where I just sat and listened and just kept driving and hoping to hear something. And I think that was actually the trip that I was in the fields of Iowa. And God said something to me that I'd never heard his voice before, but he very clearly told me to move into my office. And I was like, that is insane. <laughs> I don't hear anything. God doesn't talk to me. That's crazy. And so as I was listening, I was like, all right, well, if it's going to work, then it's going to have to work. And I made it work. And it was like, the, now looking back, I'm grateful. Like hindsight is always 2020, but being able to see the thread that has happened since then. Like it's all worked out exactly as it needed to. You know, that's a nice way of looking at uh, things from the past, right? You connect all the dots and it makes perfect sense. But as you're going through that, you know, emotional roller coaster ride, it's kind of hard. Uh, but you know what? That's the inspiring part of being Melanie. It's being <laughs> kick-ass and, you know, trying to figure out who you are as a person. And that takes a lot of uh, turmoil within ourselves sometimes. Oh, so much turmoil. A lot of people tell me that I look like I have everything together. They're like, you have a great life. You have a great husband. You have a great whatever. And I'm like, oh, do you have any idea how hard this has been, how hard this journey has been and how hard it is even now? A lot of people will say that, oh, you've got it all figured out. And I'm like, are you kidding me? This is a daily basis waking up going, 
how am I going to make it work today? And it's the continued going. And I think a lot of people wonder, I think what success looks like and how you can get success. And I'm like, it's literally a daily, sometimes minute by minute reminder to yourself that you can keep going. So it's not easy. (laughs) Well, it's not easy, but you know, as Melanie mentioned, you know, you, you just have to keep going and things would fall into place eventually. You know, that's the, mm-hmm. that's the grace with vulnerability concept that keeps hitting us in our everyday life. Now, mm-hmm. Melody, we have a fun rapid fire round for you. Are you ready for it? We, I'm ready. Okay, you tell me the first thing that comes to your mind when I say the following. Okay. Um, role model. Oprah. Kick-ass human club. Fun. Nature. Mountains. Travel. Ocean. Griffin. Monster. (laughs) Well, uh, you need to tell our listeners who Griffin is. (laughs) Griffin is my 11-year-old Maltese who, when I adopted him, he was only a year old and he bit me for two and a half years before I figured out that he needed just more love than other dogs. And it took me seven years to put him on Prozac. (laughs) (laughs) You know, that's how life is. Now, here's our final question. Tell us what your native language is and one word to describe yourself. English is my my only language. And since you already know approachable badass, I don't think that's going to work. Tall. Most people don't know that I'm tall. (laughs) Well, Melanie is definitely tall. And somebody, (laughs) you know, we can look up to. Uh, that's how I would see um, yourself so Melanie thank you so much for being on our show any parting thoughts to our listeners thank you so much for having me and I I do hope that you take the grace that I'm giving you and that I'm giving you permission to give yourself because it is so hard to give yourself grace when it feels like nothing is working out and it's okay because it will always work out thank you so listeners out there that was Melanie Spring the kick-ass approachable badass, uh, you know, the, somebody who has a lot of grace, empathy and kindness within herself. Because when I reached out to her a couple of years ago, we just met on LinkedIn and she was kind enough to come meet with me and help me with my personal brand. And here I am today, a few years down the lane. And I'm so grateful for you, Melanie, for our continued friendship. And I wish you all the best in all your endeavors as an entrepreneur, as a speaker, and as a kick-ass human who's inspiring people to be the best. Thank you. Thank you, Priyanka. Well, thanks again for joining us. This is your host, Priyanka Komla of Curry Up Startup Podcast. Until another episode with another interesting guest, let's sign off with grace and vulnerability. Thank you. (laughs)